I know you're wondering right now, man. You're, you're wondering, like, did this guy really leave? Or is he, like, hiding out in the woods somewhere, and we just kind of bring him out every once in a while? Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to see our brother, ain't it? My heart is yours, man. Can you, can you make that a truth? Can, can that be your truth, the truth of your life? Can that be basically the, the, the description of your whole life? My heart is all yours, Lord. My heart, that means my life, my mind, my everything is all yours. My strength, my body, it's all yours, man. Can, can you make that declaration? I mean, really, truly, can you make it right here today? If I got three people that are like, yeah, right? What about you all? Can you do that today? You see, because that's what it's going to take. All right? Because that's what it's going to take, not just for you, but for this whole planet. Because that's what the planet needs. That's what people, that's what this whole world needs. Men and women who are men and women of God, who are God's men and women, wholehearted, whole life, everything. You see, because that's what changes the world. When your world is changed, your world around you automatically has to respond to that change. You recognize that, right? When your whole world is changed, the world around you automatically has to respond to that change. No matter what the change is, whether it's a good change or a bad change, everything around you has to respond to that change. So what are you going to do about that? Right? <laughs> Sounds like I'm all angry, huh? But I ain't. Praise the Lord. Last week, I shared with you guys this ad in the paper that we, that, we, that we put in the paper, you know, in 2010 when we started the church. We were like, okay, huh, you know, and I'll show it to you one more time. Right here it is again. This, the church, the church for dropouts, losers, and sinners, Jesus' closest friends, right? Amen? We're all about that, right? right? We, we recognize that, right? That's, that's who we are. But, but, but you know what? When we, when we put that out there, we have to put ourselves to the test. So like, what are we going to do about all that? Back in 2010 and early, early, late 2009, we're like, we need to go out there and start just wrap, wrapping people up and showing them that they're loved. A couple of us got on our motorcycles and we started cruising up, up and down and we started doing some bar hopping. All right. Cruising into some of these bars, got hanging out, shooting some pool. All right? I don't know if you ever drank bar coffee. It is like the worst coffee on the planet. All right? So we're hanging out. I remember we're at this crazy old bar, Rumors. I'm looking real quickly for somebody to say, wait, 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 wait. Easy, kid. <laughs> Don't be so proud. All right? <laughs> that was a crazy bar. All right? I remember we rolled into that bar, man, and you know what? Uh, we were hanging out for a minute. I go outside into the parking lot to kick back, you know, because that's where people, you know, there were all, a lot of people were hanging out outside. And uh, this dude's getting, he's lighting up a cigarette, and he's hitting a cigarette, and he asks me, man, he goes, hey, what do you do? And I told him, I'm a pastor. The cherry fell off his cigarette, it's going down his arm, his shirt. He's like, what? <laughs> Not even kidding, man, it's all over him. He's like, what? What are you doing here? He said, I said, well, you don't think Jesus is here? You don't think, you think he, he stays away from places like this? And he looked at me, and, and he said, he blew out a cuss word, like, what the, you know what I mean? And his wife said, don't cuss, he's a pastor. He's a pastor, right? He's like, man, come on, right? And I said, you don't think he's here? You don't think, don't you know how much he loves you? How much he cares about you? How close he wants you to him? 
we went to this other bar, man, RT's, and we were kind of hanging out there one day, shooting some pool, trying to meet some folks, man. And look over in the corner, there's this girl, man, she's on her fifth beer. I knew it because she had four other empty bottles right in front of her. She's on her fifth one. And she just, she couldn't look up. She just kept looking down. And when I finally saw her look up, I saw so much pain in her eyes. I said, brother, let's go talk to her. Come to find out, man, that she had just lost her home, lost her husband, lost her job. She didn't know what she was going to do. All right? She didn't know what she was going to do. Immediately, we knew we needed to do something to help her, give her some hope. We invited her to this family. Come and hang out, man. And when she showed up, we didn't just say, hey, good thing you're here. Remember to say amen once in a while. No, we didn't do none of that. We took these women over here. Hey, man, there she is. That's the girl we were talking about. Go love on her. Some of you women went and loved on this girl. You helped her stand up. Helped her find a job. Helped her get a house. She gave her life to Christ, and she started serving in the church. She's here right now. Just kidding. No, she's not. I was going to do that to you again, man, make everybody look. But anyways, yeah, she, you know, and she, she, she just stood up. And I watched somebody who's just all like this stand up, man, with the joy of the Lord being her strength. You see, being his church is you sharing your life at the cost of, of your life so someone can see and experience Jesus. You got that? Check this out. Being his church, man. Being his church. This ain't the church. This is the school building, right? We, we pimped it out pretty cool, all right? But you know what? But, but it is a school building, right? I mean, you know, his church is right here. And being his church, man, is, is, is you sharing your life at the cost of your life so that people like that can see and experience Jesus. Amen? Amen. Man, you better get ready <laughs> because this requires being like Jesus all the time. Thinking like Christ, loving like Christ, living like Christ. And I know some of you might think, man, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, that's why I'm here. And guess what? That's why we're in the book of Luke. We've been going around in the book of Luke, and we've been following Jesus and just watching him, man, from, and, just, and then trying to be more like him. All right, and we're in, we're in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to review the first two verses. Then we're going to jump down to verse 11 through 20-something, four, I think. So let's pray and see how God leads us today. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. And we give you all glory, Lord God. This is all for you. This is all you. And Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that, uh, man, there's some hard hearts here this morning. There's some people that barely made it. Lord God, you see some people that man, probably don't even want to be here right now. I pray, Lord God, that they recognize how loved they are and how important it is to know how much you love them. But even more, how much you want to love through them, how much you want to lead through them, and how much you want to change this world through each of them here. Help us, Lord God, to get underneath your word, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to get underneath it, man, and just listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Right on, man. So, you know, uh, just to kind of review, Jesus was hanging out, and uh, let me just kind of read these couple of verses right here, and I'll kind of help you out a little bit right here. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. They were all drawing near to him. Everyone, they were all trying to, to, to come near to Jesus because they wanted to hear him talk. They wanted to hear Jesus. These are people that were nothing like Jesus, right? They wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to hear what he had to say, man. They didn't care if he was talking about sin or, or, or holiness and stuff that they weren't even owning. They still wanted to be close. There was something about him that was just that they, they, they just couldn't, they couldn't get enough of. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the people who were supposed to be all about the word of God, all right, were getting all angry, saying, this guy, look at this guy. He receives sinners and eats with them. Not just receives them, he welcomes them. He can't wait to hold them. He can't wait to love on them. He can't wait. He's been waiting for them to, to show up so that he can embrace them. And these guys are tripping on that. And that's what's taking place. And you know, when, when we look at this, you know, we can get a little bit twisted, man, like, you know, because we, we, we get all angry at the Pharisees, and we're like, man, you see, you guys are all, you know, messed up, but I have to remind myself, you know, sometimes as well, man, and maybe you do too, not to get too self-righteous, all right, when I read this, like these Pharisees, because you know what, I, I've, I've, I'm sure I've done it as well. Because here's a common thing, man, when we clean up, it's easy to trip on people who haven't cleaned up. It really is. Oh, when, 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 we, when, we, when we get cleaned up, it's easy to trip on people who ain't that clean. But Jesus, he didn't trip on that. He welcomed them because he knew that his clean won't get dirty. Jesus knew that his clean is not going to get dirty, all right? But in fact, it's going to make other people clean. Praise the Lord. Got one person excited about that. Now, me too. Praise the Lord. Right? You know what I mean? What's really cool is that we have his clean in us and on us. Somebody in Hebrew say amen. Come on. There we go. All right. All right. I just want to make sure they're paying attention. Don't, don't. All right? When we have trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we recognize, man, that, that it is not a fairy tale that Jesus Christ, all right, God in the flesh, God was born as a baby, you know what I mean? And, and, the, and, and the story of the gospel, when we recognize that that is, that is truth, that is living, breathing human history, all right, when we recognize that he was, that he, that he grew up and he became a man and he pro- taught and did many miracles and you know what? He came for a purpose and the purpose was for you and me to be set free from the sin that tries to own us. And what he did, he went all the way to the cross. A perfect man died for your sin. Didn't sin once. All right. Died for my sin. Didn't sin at all, man, but took on all of our sin and killed it off on the cross. The the sacrifice. You see, you and I owed a debt that we could never pay. And he paid a debt that he didn't even owe for our freedom. If you can own that gospel and recognize that he went to the grave, man, and he died, and guess what? Death couldn't even hold him, man. He started getting crazy, came out of the grave, fully alive. Our great God and King, all right, three days later, risen again and is seated beside the Father, sent us his Holy Spirit to live this crazy life for his glory. 
If we've been washed with that clean, man, when we abide in that clean, there ain't no dirt in the world that can get us dirty unless we allow it to. You see, this is why people who are nothing like Jesus like being around Jesus. People who are nothing like Jesus like being around Jesus. Let me ask you this, man. Why then don't so many people like being around Jesus people? Huh? People love Jesus, but they have a hard time with his people sometimes. How come? Now, I wonder if it's because there's a lot of Jesus people that don't try looking like Jesus. Not physically, man. We don't know what he looked like. But when we read the word and we see his love, his passion, his purpose, his focus, man, his care, we want to be like that. So here's a question, man. What's it going to take for us to reflect the heart of Christ in a world that doesn't even know that they're dying to know him? What's it going to take... For you and I to reflect the heart of Christ in a world that doesn't even know that they're dying to know him. I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to go and slap people around with the Bible, man. We're going to reflect Jesus. This, they, they might not even let us in their life, but you know what? We can still show them what Jesus looks like around their life. Amen? You see, the whole idea here, the whole point is to invite repentance, a life that is all about Jesus and for his glory. And Jesus, <clears throat> he showed us what it looks like to reach a dying world that don't know him. Remember, he had sinners, people, tax collectors, like, you know, like, you know uh, all gathering around him. And then uh, these stuffy old, you know, religious leaders and, you know, both ends of the spectrum, man, kind of just like messed up. And what did he do about this, man? He shared a story. He's a storyteller. Jesus told really great stories. And he, he shared a parable. He shared it in four parts because there are four, there, there, there are four ways that we lose sight of God. And, you know, he shared, you know, we, last week we covered, he shared the story about, a, about, you know, a shepherd losing one sheep, leaving 99 to go after that sheep. A woman who lost, you know, one coin out of her 10 coins, just, you know, lost it, man, and had to go and find her coin and found it. You know what I mean? And both found, the guy found the sheep, she found the coin, and there was a party. And he said, there's, there's a party in heaven, man, when, when one person, when one sinner gives their life to Christ. And, the, and he said, there are four ways, man, that we lose sight of God. And, and the first two that we looked at yesterday, number, or last week, was the first one was, was sometimes we just drift away. All right? We start nibbling away at a life without God and a little more without life without God. And whatever that is, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, it's just taking us away from God. And we nibble away and we nibble a little bit more. And next thing you know, we look up and we're nowhere near God and we don't even know how to get back. And we're lost. And so we think this is our lot in life. And we stay there. And then the, the other way is, 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 is a way of carelessness, man, that we, we just carelessly start making all the wrong choices, putting ourselves in all the wrong places, maybe even all around all, all, the, all the wrong influences, man. And we, rec we look up and realize we're nowhere near God. And we both are wondering how we get so far. 
the third way we're going to talk about today, but the fourth way we'll talk about next week. And that's, that's when you think you're so close to God, but you actually are far away from his heart. But the third way today is when we just choose to be away. You know what I mean? When we consciously make a plan and even work with intention, all right, of being away from God and hopefully far away. See, these are the ones that so many people in the church, they just write off. Oh, man, they chose that life. That's, you know, they didn't just drift away. Oh, we got to go get them. They didn't just carelessly, oh, you made the wrong choice. Okay, I'll help you out. All right, this person don't want nothing. They're stiff-arming God. And so what? They might as well be stiff-arming the church. And so many times I see people in church just write these people off. But these are the ones who need Jesus the most. Because they don't even know that they can know Jesus. They don't even know that they can You see, it is important for us. This is missionary training school. I don't know if you recognize this yet. All right? We need to know these things, right? Because it is important for us to know how we move away from God so we can help others to get close and stay close to God. You recognize that, right? That's why you're here, right? Is that why you're here? Maybe. All right, yeah. You know, somebody might have told you we're giving away free tacos. Not today, but next time, maybe. It is important for us to know these things and how people move away from God so that we can help them get close and stay close to God. Again, once again, the plan was never to become just a well-behaving Christian. That was not, Jesus did not die on the cross just so you could behave. Look at it, I did this. Will you please, come on, can I, I can't leave for 10 minutes, really. Will you just behave? He didn't do that. That's not why he did it. He did it so that we can love God the way we we're intended to love God and be loved by him and recognize that love and live in that love and bring God glory through our life. Make disciples of other people who don't even know they can know Jesus. So he continues on with the third part of his, of his story, of his parable. And here it goes, man. It's kind of a little bit of a lengthy story. We'll see where it takes us. All right. In verse 11, he says, there was a man who had two sons. All right. One son is the one that we'll talk about next week. All right. Uh, The one who stayed physically close to the father, but was spiritually far away. And the other one who chose to go away. Verse 12 says, the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of my property that's coming to me. And he divided his property. The father did it, gave it to him. I don't know, man. That's, I, you know, yeah, good luck with that. You know what I mean? You know? I mean, this kid was saying, I'm out, right? This whole scene is just not enough. Everything is taken back. There's not enough going on for me here. We've all been here, man, or at least most of us. There's just nothing happening here, man. I just need to move on. Give me mine. Okay, homeboy, you didn't earn none. I earned this, but all right. I mean, if we're honest, we all have these moments where we think that God is not enough. We all have these moments, man, where we just think that God is not enough, man. And come on, we got to be honest right here. We look at this kid and we're thinking, man, this guy's a knucklehead. We'll pull out the mirror. I mean, I remember sitting on my porch, man, and God was asking me, am I really enough for you right now? And at that moment, there was some stuff going on in my life. And I literally had to look up and say, God, you know what? 
right now, I don't, I don't feel like you are. But I know I'm wrong. So will you help me with that? It was an honest prayer. It's about 10 minutes ago. Oh, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Um, but I'll just tell you, man, if God is not enough for you, then there ain't nothing going to be enough. Have you anybody recognized that yet? If God is not enough, man, there ain't nothing that's going to be enough. Because I've tried to get my enough. I've went out there and worked at it, man. I worked real hard at it, and I spent a half my lifetime trying to get and never got enough until I didn't have anything and I had Christ. And I was like, what the heck's going on here? I don't know if anybody ever seen the show The Waltons. <laughs> I love that show. All right, all right. I watch it all the time. It's just a, it's, it's about a, it's a family. All right, living through the depression. I think in the 1930s. All right, and they are just so close. They love one another. They love God, and they're constantly there's all these life lessons. And they're hanging out one day, and this kid shows up on the scene. His name is Gino, and he's from New York City. All right, and he kind of just he's kind of on the run. All right, and they're tripping. They're like, and they're hanging out, talking with him. And when they start talking, they find out he's from New York City, and they're like blown away. You're from the city. You're from New York. You were lucky. You're so lucky, man. You have all these things that you get to see. And he looked at them. He goes, what are you guys talking about? Look at you, what you got. You guys have each other. You have this faith. You have this family. You have you. And when you're hungry, you go out and get something to eat. You walk out in the woods and you bring home food. Well, you're growing food right outside in the garden. He goes, I'm in the city, and we're struggling. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, or at least it seems like that. This son is like, you know what, man? I've, there's just not enough going on for me here. And what's crazy is how the father illustrates God's love for us, because God is not going to force you to stay close. He's not going to force you to stay close, man. I mean, every one of us, if we want to walk away from God at this moment, he's going to lovingly allow it. He's not going to say, no, 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 turn around, turn around, back here. He's not going to do that. You know what he's going to say? I'm going with you. You may not know it, but I'm going with you. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered all right, his property in reckless living. All right? He actually made plans for this trip. He stayed a couple of more days. Give me my stuff, all right? He stayed a little bit longer. He got prepared, made choices to prepare for a bad choice. It's crazy how we can easily you know, plan out our sins and then later call them a mistake. Ah, blew it. No, nah, man, you sinned, bro. You bought tickets for this sin. We can look at this kid and think he's an idiot and think, what is he? What was he thinking? But I got a question for you. Well, what sin are you preparing for right now? What sin are you preparing for right now? What affair are you preparing for right now? What lie are you preparing for right now? What abuse, what manipulation, what hurt, what worship of self, all right? What greed, what pain are you preparing for right now? 
What little sin are you preparing for? And I got the question, man, if we're, if we're preparing for sin, then how are we going to show somebody the way out if we ourselves are in preparations? Again, missionary training school right here, homie. All right? How are we going to light a light when we're busy planning to create more darkness? This is everyone's fight. And if you, I told you before, if you don't know that you're in a fight, you're losing, man. You're losing the fight. There is a fight every day. We got to fight for this every day. And this is all of our fights. This fight, the battlefield that begins in the mind as we start making plans and assumptions that we start allowing into our life. All right, Second Corinthians, Apostle Paul wrote it like this. He goes, our weapons in this fight, he goes, they're not, you know, conventional. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, like, like you know, they're not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. This is not a fist fight. It's not a knife fight. It's not a gun fight. This is a fight with the only enemy that we have. He says, we destroy these arguments that are taking place in our mind, that are coming at us, man, and trying to develop in our heart. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And but what do we do? How do we fight? We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. People say, that's life don't sound very fun. I'm having the best time I've ever had in my whole life. And I've tried a lot of stupid stuff. I became a professional sinner. All right? And it was not, not good. But following Jesus, man, there's just being with Christ. Man, I... That's a whole nother sermon, man, and we probably need to get there, but it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a, it ain't no high like the most high, put it that way. How about that? All right? But we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to lead people to examine their thoughts. We need to lead people to examine, man. Play that out, brother. Okay, you're going to leave. Play that out a little bit. How do you see this ending, really? You see, the more we entertain our thoughts, the easier it is to experience, all right, those, those entertainments. Uh, you know this. The more you think about it, the more you think about it, the next thing you know, you're doing it. I'm like, man, this is, you know, the more we entertain our thoughts, the easier it is to experience it. So we, we should probably be entertaining good thoughts, right? <laughs> Better thoughts. It says that when he spent everything, all right, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need, all right? The famine basically is where there was just, there was a, there was a lack of food, man. There was, you know, talk about a depression. There was nothing, man. People were going hungry, all right? But it wasn't his fault that there was a famine, but because of the famine in his soul, because of the emptiness of his soul, he couldn't handle it. He wasn't prepared because of his disconnection from the Father, the only one who can feed his soul. He was not prepared for it. Even the richest person can suffer famine, this famine of the soul, this hollow life, right, that, that's only satisfied by things on the outside because on the inside they're all empty. 
They weren't ready for it. And so what did he do? He said that he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his, his fields to feed the pig. Hey, bro, it's going to get better, homie. Hey, man, check us out, man. Where you going, bro? We're still talking right here, man. Come on, man. What is up with that? All right. <laughs> He'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Lexi, you and the family pay attention, all right? You got it? All right, cool. All right. It said that he, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, when he said to feed the pigs, you ever been in an audience where something happens and everybody goes, <gasps> at the same time? Everybody right now go, <gasps> Exactly. That's exactly what this audience, because that, that was good. That was really good. Everybody nailed it. That's what exactly what happened, because you have, you have the Jewish people who recognize the most unclean animal is a pig. And he said he hired himself out to just go and feed the pigs, and everybody went, man, that is so cool. I just want to do that for the rest of this time. All right, I've got, no, no. There's a gasp in the audience because that is the lowest of the low and you can't get any lower, man. That is, that is like dirt down to the ground. And this guy, he loaned himself out, man. He chose the dirt before he chose the Lord. He tried to fill himself with all those self-help, you know what I mean? You got this, you know what I mean? Just meditate your way there. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're the God of your own destiny. All that junk, man, you know what? It's just all dirt. There's only one who can fill an empty soul, and that's Jesus Christ. When you're filled with Christ, man, I guarantee you, your wanters really starts to get in check. said that he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, this may be a little bit harsh right here, all right? But any food for the soul that is empty of the word of God is pig food. I can say that without flinching because God is the only one who can fill the soul. All right. I read a lot of books. I love reading books. I never read before I gave my life to Christ. I maybe read two books in my life. Right? Half of one, actually. Two halves of a book. I finished one. It was about a vampire. But anyways, um, yeah. Uh, but, and I read a lot of books. And I love reading books, man, where I know that the person who is writing the book, that their center is Christ. I like reading, you know, to find out what people are thinking who don't know Jesus. But I read it through the filter of being filled with God. And that's why I can honestly say, man, that, you know, when I'm talking about filling the soul, I'm not preparing, you know, how to read a book on how to do, read, you know, write, you know, you balance your checkbook, whatever. None of that. So I'm talking about what feeding the soul. This guy was empty. And any food for the soul that's empty of, of God's word is, is like pig food, man. And this dude, dude wanted the pig food. 
I was in the store, Safeway, all right? You know, man, that's a shocker for a lot of you here probably, right? Yeah, they're probably every day. Um, and a guy stopped me. He was looking at me for a while, a couple of times. You ever one of those guys that's like, look at you, and you're like, man, I know that guy, you know, from somewhere. And you don't know where, you just keep on rolling, he comes around the aisle, comes again. He says, hey, man, I just want to say thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> For what? <laughs> and he says, you know, a few years ago, he goes, I don't know if you remember me, but a few years ago, you guys spoke into me and into my life when I was at my lowest part of my life. He reminds me of how we share the gospel message of hope in his life when all he wanted to do was drink. He said he's been clean for two years now. And I said, man, give me a hug. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I went, give me a hug, man. I got that hug. But when he came to himself, verse 17, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? How many of my father's servants, hired servants, have more than enough to eat? And I'm dying here with hunger. This idea of coming to himself, of recognizing his situation and who he is and where he's, where he's allowed himself. You ever get to that where you, how, you, know, you look around and like, how did I let myself get here? It's crazy how when, when we find ourselves bottom feeding, that we, it leads us to this realization of the soul and it causes us to look up. We realize that we were created for what way more value. We we're way more valuable than we have allowed ourselves to become. My, a father gave his daughter one time this, this classic car for her birthday, fully restored, just decked out, all right? Decked out car for her birthday. I mean, it's just beautiful. And he, he says, hey, so I want you to, because before you do anything, I want you to take that car to the dealership and see how much they'll offer you for it. She said, all right. She went to the dealership, all right. Uh, came back and said, they offered me 10 grand. He said, all right. Now I want you to take it to the pawn shop. See how much they'll offer you for it. She took it to the pawn shop. She came back a little later. She said, Dad, they offered me $1,000, only $1,000 for it. He goes, all right, yeah, okay. He goes, uh, this weekend there's a car show in town, all right, big car show, the one we have every, every, every year. He says, I want you to take it over there. He says, see how much they'll offer you, see if you can get it, you know, anybody to buy it on it over there. So she did that weekend. She came back, and she was blown away. She said, Dad, somebody offered me $100,000 for that car. He goes, I know, because that's what it's worth. She said, well, why did you send me to all these other places? He said, because I wanted to teach you that if you're in the wrong place, you will always be undervalued. He said, I wanted to teach you that you're in the wrong place. You'll always be undervalued. And when you're not being appreciated, don't trip. Don't get angry. It just means you're trusting the wrong voices that set your value. See, looking around is never enough, man. We need to look up. 
when we're looking at our situation and we're tripping on where we're at and where we've allowed ourselves to be, we need, don't just look around and have, can you have, hey, look up, man. All right, because that, that, the salvation is only in God and God alone. Jesus Christ, all right, gave his life, man, there ain't, there ain't, for your sins and my sins so that we can have access to him 24-7. Praise the Lord. He got up. He came to himself. He said, I'm going to rise and go to my father. I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. He has this whole thing just kind of just rehearsed. He rehearsed the prayer. You ever rehearse a prayer? You ever rehearse something you're going to say to your spouse? All right, you know what I'm talking about. All right, he had this whole thing rehearsed. And I will challenge you, the very first prayer that God is looking for is one of confession and repentance. When I realized, all right, the message of the cross, all right, and saw how much God really valued me, it brought me to my knees. This was during a time in my life where the only possession, I could rightly say, the only possession I had in the world at this time in my life, 29 years ago, was a Bible. The only thing that I can call mine was a Bible. And it was all I needed. And he gave me a prayer in that Bible. And this prayer blew me away. It was Psalms 51. There's a whole psalm as a prayer, but a couple of pieces. You know, David wrote this prayer after just completely sinning against God. He actually sinned against a, a, a woman and a man and a whole family and even the nation of Israel. He sinned hardcore. But you know, here's how he looked at it. Look at verse, verse 4 of Psalms 51. Against you only, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He says, all, this has all been against you, man. It started, uh, my sin is against our sin, our life, we're pushing God away. It's all against God before it's against any person. And that is where the work needs to be done. It's that prayer of repentance. He came to himself, this son, and said, you know what? I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to tell him I've sinned against, before heaven, I've sinned against you. In verse 10 of Psalms 51, this became a mantra for about almost a whole year. I prayed this line right here. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I remembered that, I prayed that, I would exercise and repeat that, and just continually praying that over and over and over for, you know, to God, because this became the only thing in life that I wanted. What an amazing thing to want this before anything else. Created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. All right, a spirit that is your spirit, a heart that is yours. We just got through saying it, my heart is yours. I want to be all yours. <clears throat> in verse 20 he says then he arose all right he he realized this his heart changed he was on his way all right and you know what and this is what's crazy listen to this progression he arose he came to his father while he was still far away all right his father saw him and felt compassion and started running to him embraced him and kissed him this is the kind of reception that god is longing for for you man once you repent and say look at god you know what against you against you only i've sinned created me a clean heart renew a right spirit within me god said get over here get over here <laughs> right and the son said to him father i've sins against heaven and before you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son he didn't even get to finish the thing he rehearsed 
But the father said to his servants, bring quickly his best, the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes and feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. And they begin to celebrate. See, we, 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 we love listening and we love hearing this story and we, we look at this story, but some of us have a hard time owning it. And you know people that will have a hard time owning it. Why? Because perfect grace and forgiveness, it's just hard to imagine. Why? Because we know the things that we can't forgive people for and we won't forgive people for and we project that on God. See, can't forgive and won't forgive is not a good thing, so don't think I was co-signing you can't forgive and don't forgive because we need to forgive like Jesus forgave. But we know we have a hard time with forgiveness and we think God does too. Or because we burn out people's capacity for giving grace, all right, for giving us grace, all right, and we think, yeah, you know, why should God be any different? <clears throat> we need to know that we believe this. Whoa, all right. In the dark or in the light. <laughs> we need to know that we believe this, that God's grace is, is greater than the sin of the whole world. And he really is ready to receive anyone if they would just turn their whole life towards him. See, when we can own this fact, all right, we come to know by experience, all right, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God. And how God is ready and available to forgive anyone. And we have that experience. And, and we can share what we have experienced, not just something we've read. So you can't, you can't make anybody believe this because that's just make-believe. But we can own the story for ourselves and then share it with others and invite them to a life in Christ. Last week, I asked you, who's missing? You remember that? I ask you, who's missing? When you're, when you're, when you're praying or when, you're, when you come here you know, during the week or whatever the case may be, when you walk with Christ, in your walk, your daily walk with Christ, who do you wish was there with you, man? I told you to come up with a name. If you weren't here last week, I want you to come up with a name right now. All right, come up with that name. And if you have, you're here last week and you have that name, I want you to continue in this progression. We're not giving up on this. I want you to, number one, write that name down and start praying for that person. I want number two, I want you to let them know that you're praying for them, not in a condescending way, like I'm totally praying for you, uh, you know, um, but, but let them know that you've been praying for them and ask them how you can pray for them, if there's anything you can pray for them about, and then keep praying. And then be ready because God is going to lead you what to do next. Because being his church, right, is you sharing your life at the cost of your life so that people can see and experience Jesus. What are you going to do about that? It's a heavy word, and there are going to be people here to pray with you if you want to pray with them. So come on up and pray with them. 
If you need somebody to help you pray, if you need some, if you don't know how to pray, man, you just come on up here. We'll help you pray. Oh, we got a we got a fence back there in the back corner, man. Just a piece of a fence back there. You want prayer? You want throw throw a prayer in the fence. We'll definitely be praying over it this week. We do every week. And there, I think there even might be somebody back there to pray with you back there if you want. It's your move. Praise the Lord. Amen.